everybody. This is Keats Rainwater with the Designated Drummer Podcast. And this week, I am in a very special place right now. I am in the house, the home, the mansion of Phil Vassar, the one and only Phil Vassar. How's it going, Phil? Keats, great to see you, buddy. Yeah, Last time you were here, we were doing a video together, I think. The last time I was here, I believe, was when we were doing the Christmas video for Not Not So So Silent Silent Night. Night. Yeah. And that was really cool. That was actually a song we co-wrote yeah. together, the band and you, and got together. So and, fun, man. That was fun. And then what uh, a great song! What a great record we put it, we made on that. That was that was really fun. Um, and one of the funnest tours I've ever done. Ever, that, absolutely. I mean, that, you I know, think, we, we say that. Too. No, I mean, just being out with y'all just was like it was. Um, it was so fun. We could do that again. I mean, Definitely. Really... So, uh, for those that don't know, we Lone Star. We toured with Phil Vassar. We got together. And we put our forces together, our bands together, the whole thing. And we did a whole Christmas tour where it was us on stage, you on stage, yeah. sometimes all together at yeah. one time. It was amazing. And then we'd split, and then we, you would do your thing, and then we would do our thing. No. And it was kind of just, and it ended, it culminated in this huge Carol of the Bells combination <laughs> of nine musicians on stage into this huge bum ba da dum bum ba da It was really cool. It was super good, man. Really I loved watching, man. It was just, uh, it was... Um, it was one of those things. It's like after y'all did that thing, it was like there's no following that. Everybody stood up. <laughs> I remember it was a big, you saying that. So I was like, we can't follow. We can't go back out and do songs after that. It was just so good. Yeah, your and, your uh, suggestion was because uh, we did the first. We did it two years in a row. Yeah. So the first year we did it, we did Carol the Bells, and it was a huge standing ovation every time. Right, every like time. Big big song, and uh, you and Richie would leave stage because you're the singers, mm-hmm. right? You know and. Um, we was all instrumental, and then we would come back and a big, huge standing ovation. And then you, <laughs> like, it was like, "What are we going to do now? What do we do now? Elvis songs or something?" <laughs> How do you talk? I mean, that? it was it was so good. I mean, yeah. it was two amazing bands, and and really uh, I would just get to go out front and watch, you know. And and I mean, the light show was so great, and you know, of course, with the video screens, and uh, I mean, it was just uh, it was great. I mean, I, I've never. I've never experienced anything like it. So yeah, and rehearsals was fun. You know, getting the two um, bands together and everything, I mean, and trying to figure yeah. out how are we going to make these Christmas songs cool, and yeah. like us, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, but and, it was uh, great. It was perfect. That I mean, was so I, fun. I loved it, man. It's good to see you again, my friend. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, one of the things I want to talk about is we're going to talk about all kinds of things about your show mm-hmm. and about how you go about your the fact that you don't have a set list and you just kind of call things. I want to talk about that. Um, My band loves that, by the way. Oh yeah. Right. We're doing what? But uh, do I know that song? That's funny. Um, But, uh, so you started out, I heard you mention earlier, you actually started out as a drummer. I mean, the very first instrument was drums. Well, my first my first instrument was drum was was drums, and and then you know it, this was when I was a kid. You know, my parents got me a drum set, and then um, you know, of course, being the ADD kid I am, I think I came home from school one day. I was like, "Where are the drums?" I'm like, "We don't know." And I was like, "Okay." So I was off. On to the next instrument. On to the next what thing. What else you got? Well, we've got this piano over here. Yeah, right. And it was uh, you know I didn't really start. I wasn't really music. I was always wanted to be a singer. It was always what I wanted to do. You yeah. know. And, and then I didn't really start playing piano until I was in high school and a little bit in college. And then, of course, when I came to Nashville, that's when I really got serious about playing. Now, when you first started singing, you didn't have the voice that you have now. You were mm. a kid, right? Well, what I mean, was I was... Your, what were you going to sing like? I was a teenager, you know, and... and um, you know, and I think the first song I ever wrote was a song I wrote for graduation, for my high school graduation, um, which I, I can't remember it, but it was actually, you know, looking back, it probably wasn't horrible, but it wasn't what I do now, you know, yeah. but but it was, a, you know, I always wanted to write. I loved writing songs, 
And, uh, you know, my heroes were those Elton Johns and the Billy Joels and the Lionel Richies. And, yeah. you know, my first concert was Merle Haggard. My first concert. So it was, I went to, to, to King's Dominion in, in Richmond and watched and saw uh, Merle Haggard. And, and I didn't really, you know, I wasn't a huge, huge country Now, what fan. year would this have been? My God, it was in the early 80s, 70s. Late, late 70s, right? Yeah, like it was like I was a kid. I was probably 16, 17 years old. And it was like 79, whatever. And then. Wow. And then, um, so I, I saw that, and then that totally changed my whole, my whole deal. I was just seeing like, it man, done on just stage, watching live. him. I mean, here's a guy that sings his own songs, and of course, Merle Haggard, yeah, yeah. that voice that was just like silk, man, it was butter. Wow. And um, that inspired you. Know, it you it to, really did. It's like know. I wanted, to, I knew I wanted to do it right from that moment, and then, you know, so it was kind of, and then I think I saw Van Halen. And then I saw, it's funny, we were just talking about that, and then I saw David Lee Roth was this incredible front man, and, um, and Elton John, Billy Joel, and Jackson Brown, and Petty. I mean, all this stuff was sort of, you know, my dad was a big George Jones uh, fan, and so we had a lot of different music. I mean, I loved Earth, Wind & Fire, and, you know, and the rhythmic, you know, the, you know that kalimba. Yeah, right. I loved all of that, and... and and then, so in um, a way, that was kind of like almost training for you, the, the diversity and oh, the variety yeah. of different kinds of music mm -hmm. that you were around uh, uh, informed your brain about what you could do, what could be done musically mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. You weren't stuck in a rut. I think you appreciate it. You know, yeah. like we all listen to different kinds of music. And I think it always makes me crazy. Well, I don't listen to nothing but country. You know, right. Well, it's just fine, you know, whatever. But I think as, mu as a musician, man, it's good to know jazz or good to know uh you know or, or know what's out there i mean i don't understand a lot of jazz i don't I, mean, yeah. I can't play like that but i'm telling you man i i too you know i totally appreciate it and, when it's done well when right it's yeah. done great you know and and you know it's just um you know bad music's just bad music mm -hmm. and good music is just good music you know i don't care what it is you know i love listening to classical music or or jazz or classic rock i mean of course we grew up on you know, Sticks and Journey and yeah. a lot of those, you know, Van Halen and, you know, a lot of these great songs, you know, Liberty DeVito or whoever, yeah, you know, right, was always yeah. one of my favorites. You know, I always loved watching him, um, you know. Yeah, Liberty DeVito crowd. was the drummer for, I don't know if he still is, the drummer for Billy Joel. No. So all those big hits. Not anymore, but I mean, he yeah. was, he was, but he was definitely instrumental in that sound, of Billy Joel's sound. You know, he used his own, um, you know, George Martin was going to produce Right, yeah. Produce okay. uh, Billy Joel, but he's like, man, I want to use my, but he's, but he wanted to use different studio cats. Mm. So Billy's like, nah, I want to use my own band. Like Billy, yeah. Buddy Holly in the, right. in those days re yeah. requested that he use his own band. He demanded on, and it worked, right? And it worked, yeah, right. Um, so you must have, there must have been some kind of thing with the piano with you. Because you're a great piano player, and that's what you sort of started out. Was it one of those things where you just had a piano around, and you just had a natural feel for it? You just knew where the notes were, and you just could fall into it? Well, we were storing a piano for one of my distant, like, second, third cousins in our, in our little house in this basement. We had room to, to, to store it. And and I just I fell in love. I heard Easy Like Sunday Morning. That was mm. my first song I learned how to play. And, cool. and I heard that song, that Lionel Richie song, and I, I went nuts. I'm like, what is this? How long did it take you to actually figure the notes out? Was it like natural, or did it, you just have to like It was fumble? really, uh, I really, I mean, I was, you know, of course, I'm sorry. I think I just hit this mic. But um, but I think I, I, I just sort of had a an ear for it, right? So I learned, so I played by ear like all of us probably do. Not a lot of us are um, classically or trained like that, you know, but I think... 
when I heard that, I went downstairs and I figured it out on this piano and I found this piano. I actually found this piano not long ago. It's an 1850s piano. Really? And I just bought it back. Uh, in That's Martinsville, cool. you know, so it's in a storage uh, in Virginia right Probably now. Probably need a tuning a little, right? It's, it's pretty, <laughs> I haven't even gotten to that yet, Keach, but, it, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting, uh, I want to get it back. I'd like to put it in my barn when it's done. That would be great. And yeah. It's, uh, but it's some a, magic it's to part it. Of, it, it yeah, is. It's, it's part, part of who you my, are. part of my history and, and, uh, but I love the piano. I loved Elton John. I loved, you know, Freddie Mercury, uh, you know, you know, that band, uh, you know, Queen was a big influenced me a lot. I mean, Freddie Mercury was one of the consummate lead singers of all time. Is that why in uh, in, in our Christmas song there's an operatic section? There is an operatic <laughs> section. This is the operatic section. And, and, and it was so cool to, to sort of, we you know, remember we were, we just wanted to do something different. It's hard to, writing Christmas songs or writing any songs is, uh, that, that it's just, you want to do something that's different It hadn't been done. Um, my, my complaint a lot of times is like a lot of music just sounds the same to me. Yeah. And um, it's like I just, you, when you heard Queen, you, you knew who it was. Or, you know, right. you even heard Sticks, or you heard, you know, a lot of the music back then. When you heard Merle Haggard or when you heard, you know, Waylon, uh, you know, it goes for every genre. You know, you just knew. You know who it was. Like yeah, when you're right. Snoop Dogg, you know, you know who it is, right? And now, see if you're with me on this, in that music today, especially country radio, it's not the same. It doesn't, you listen to the artists and the songs and the production sounds kind of almost like it's made at the same studio, the same musicians and the same words just moved around. Yeah. Back then in the day, you heard country music right. or any music. You, you heard Dolly Parton. You knew that was Dolly Parton. You heard Charlie Absolutely. Daniels. You knew that was Charlie Daniels. Absolutely. So on and so on. And some of my Nowadays, favorites. I can't tell the difference between. Well, because there is no difference. Yeah. I think, you know, I think it's the same. A lot of it is the same. I think it's, um, it's formulated. And it seems he, like it has gotten that way. Yes. And, you know, a lot of it is, you know, I think that happens. And, uh, you know, I hate being that guy like, hey, you know, get off my yard, you know. But yeah. but, I, <laughs> but I think, you know, I feel like uh, I think I think it is, you know, even it's just great, uh, great songs. And I was talking to a friend this morning about that, you know, about, you know, and, you know, when you, you know, Kenny, you know, Chesney cut some, you know, because we were all um, sort of um, students of that, of that, right. you know, of that old school thing. And, uh, but not just country, you know, but we all listen to, I mean, once again, you, you know who yeah. David Lee Roth was when you heard him on the, yeah. on the, or the Stones or the Beatles and, 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 uh, and I think it's just a lot of the, um, uh, you know, we want something different, but they really don't want, they don't know what different. it is. <laughs> they yeah. don't want anything yeah. different. We want know. something totally different that sounds just like just, that Just guy. like that. <laughs> hey man, he's the next George Strait. I'm All like, right. well, we already had a George Strait, right? Yeah, already had always, one of those, right? It always seemed like for every big success, there was copiers along the way. Oh, my God, yeah. Absolutely. Sort of like sound alikes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it is part of it. I think, you know, for all of us that that do this, you know, we we just uh, – I just decided just not, you know, uh, when, when you hear something that really excites me, it's very rare, you know. Yeah. I think because, you know, because I did hear David Bowie back in the day or, or Queen and – you know, or even, you know, Steve Warner or some great, great, you know, singer, songwriter, musicians that, um, you know, that just moved me, you know, and, and uh, by great songs, you know. And I, yeah. I remember, um, you know, even some of my songwriter friends, which I come from that, my lineage is from songwriting. And, you know, when I hear Little Rock from Colin Ray or, you know, or, yeah, right. or you know, what are Mazed or what are some of these great songs that are just were so undeniable that, man, it's like, holy crap, you know, we... 
we need some of that again. Yeah, definitely. So when you first started out, let's just say the early 80s, when like you were at it, you were in college or something mm-hmm. like that, was there more of a drive to be a singer or a songwriter, or did that sort of come together? Because it seems like you're just as successful of a songwriter mm-hmm. as you are a singer and artist and all that. Mm-hmm. But I know it did start out with the writing. Well, I mean, I, I never would have thought that. I mean, songwriting would have been my way in, but it was. Um, because, I mean, even when I came to Nashville, I met Alan Reynolds, and he introduced me to Garth, and he's like, man, this is this new guy I'm working with, Garth Brooks. I'm like, you know, Garth, and of course, and I, we were both track athletes in college, and, you know, so it was kind of interesting. Um, but it was two, two different, musically, just two different kind of artists, you know, and, and um, you know, that whole thing exploded, that late 80s, yeah. You know, Clinton, Garth, and the hat axe Alan. Kind of yeah, started, that whole yeah, thing. And, the and even, even Tritt was in the middle of that. And, and uh, But it was um, it was definitely a, a, just a different time because Alan, would he said, man, I really like what you do. And, of course, you're a piano player, and there's really no room. There, there aren't any of those in our town. Right. And, of course, Millsap did pretty good, you know. Yeah, but, right. But, um, but it was just, uh, you know, they always looked at me like I was from Pluto or something, you know. <laughs> but he said, man, I like what you do. And he would let me use the studio for, for free. You know, he said, man, if, you know, if I have time off, you can use it, you know, because uh, I like what you do, but I just don't understand what you do yet. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I think, of course, back then I was really trying to develop who I was and, and what I was. And I think that's, as an artist, you sort of evolve into, into something. You know, I still hate being you know, put in a lane. I hate yeah, it. I never right, liked yeah. it, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I even had my labels, uh, you know, when I was, I had this conversation and I remember, well, you're that paradise guy. That's what you are. That's what you need to do. I'm like, that's no, your lane, right? That's not it. <laughs> you know, you need to write another bye-bye. I'm like, well, there is not another bye-bye. And, yeah. you know, because when I wrote that, I was going through a divorce. I was pissed. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's yeah. why I wrote that song. <laughs> so I think, you know, you have to be, uh, you know, whenever labels or people in the business try, try to tell you what you are and who you are, um, it, it really, it really it's discouraging, it makes for, it? it makes yeah. for terrible music, you yeah. know, and, <laughs> you know, and, and plus it's just, uh, it's, it, it's like, uh, it's like Ford Motor Company or whatever. You're in an assembly line. And you're All right. Busy. Yeah. So I think that's what makes. So when you were in college, did you play and sing during college? I sang, yeah. I sang. I really wasn't a very good player. That's for sure. At that point, you know, I didn't really. Um, I just wanted to be a singer, and then yeah. I then I got more into my songwriting, and and um, I met you know Jimmy Fortune from the Statler Brothers. I don't know if you know Jimmy, but mm-hmm. Jimmy's um, he was he came onto the Statlers after uh, Lou Dewitt passed away, and uh, and then he wrote a couple of big hits for the Statlers. But we were all from the same area in Virginia, you know, and James Madison. I was in Harrisonburg, and I grew up in Lynchburg and Stanton, and then uh, so having these guys that were. Um, Jimmy came in and wrote these songs, and they were the biggest hits the Stadlers had ever had, right? Wow. I mean, they were this old band that started Flowers on the Wall in the 50s or whatever, so he, he sort of infused some new life into what they were doing. He had Elizabeth and Too Much on My Heart, and they were big number one songs. And uh, so it was like, man, it inspired me to write, knowing Jimmy, and and, and he's such a great guy, and I just, uh, I was really... Uh, God, what a great singer, you know? It was like nobody could sing that high. It's like him and Tommy Shaw, I don't know how they still sing that high. Yeah, and right. It's true. It's like they never – it's like the same guys yeah. that singing in the 70s or something. So you started writing a lot and um, playing around and stuff. Now, one thing I remember in 1999, I was I was ASCAP and the rest of the guys in the band were BMI. So right. we 
kept it that way because we knew that at least one member in the band needed to represent the ASCAP side. So I went to the award right. show, this award, this uh, ASCAP awards in 1999, and you're, that's the first time I'd ever heard your name. Right. And they, and what caught me was is when they were bringing people up to win awards for songwriting and this and that, this song and that song, it was like these three writers and these two writers. And, but every single time they called your name, it was just Phil Vassar. Right. Phil Vassar. And they, you were just up, you were constantly up on stage and I thought and it was only you yeah and I thought well he must be there's something to his writing by himself like he's a sole writer mm-hmm. in all these and you know why and it rose raised a question in my mind I was like why do all these people co-write with other writers when they could just write on their own and what why did you what was it about you that 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 um uh, brought that up like uh, what am I trying to say um, that actually made that uh, thing you know yeah. and I started thinking about it and I thought well if you're writing a song from personal experience nobody knows that nobody feels that personal experience more than you because mm-hmm. you've lived it is that kind of where you came from well I think so plus and, and back then nobody would write with me oh I see. that was true I mean nobody would it'd be like hey man will you write with like I don't know who you are who are you yeah so it was uh, it was that um, I, I remember at that point when I was just kind of got, got come on to EMI, I just gotten signed in. What was uh, Ricochet? What was uh, right, Ricochet? Right, Heath, Daddy's Money, and all that. Yeah, yeah Heath. which which was written by what uh, you know Bob DePiro. But anyway, it was kind of funny because I remember they were like, "You need to write with like nah." So nobody would write with me at that time, and then a couple of people like Roy Burke and and Charlie Black, who I you know oh a debt of gratitude to all those guys that that said you know i really like what you do but but like 30 years and i'm all right and all these songs that i'd written by myself and they were just became big huge hits and then um but it was a little different you know those songs were no you know nobody wanted to cut those songs made 30 years even tim didn't yeah faith was like i think uh no it makes you sound old you know and, <laughs> and so Tim I remember I was out with Tim and Faith on that Soul to Soul tour and Tim's like man Phil you need to cut that I love your version of it he goes I hate my version um, you just need to cut that it needs to be a single for you man because it's a good song and I'm like okay because um, he'd already cut for a little while and, and all that and it had been a hit and and I just remember that him and I said I will you know I'll definitely do that but then of course they put it out as a single and it was a big yeah. hit so um, I, I think you know, that was an interesting time for me because Carlene was out, Paradise was out, but I'd had this little, you know, run of hits. Yeah. And then I was having, you know, um, it was well, a, it was a good time, you yeah. know, for I me. read somewhere that before that run of hits, you had a bunch of songs that you had written that, like you'd gotten a record deal and you'd written right. a bunch of songs and they went nowhere. They just, yeah. it was just like yeah. crickets, you know. Right. And then all of a sudden I noticed that, that you were getting like cuts to, with Tim McGraw and Jody Messina and all of a sudden what was it do you think in your mind that went from that sort of crickets to like all of a sudden now people are cheering like what was there a it had to be with those guys it was Kenny and Tim and Joe D you know because I, I took this I had cut, I cut eight songs for my for my record label project to take to labels and, and they hated them yeah. and six of the songs were number one songs right. Rodeo 30 right. Years Bye Bye all, the, all these songs any timing is that uh, what yeah, that's just it's, a... I think they, they were like this song this stuff's too progressive it's too progressive yeah. it's not down the I mean I remember Sam Ramage and all these people whoever they I don't even know where they are anymore but you know they were just um, they were like this is too left of center and really it wasn't you yeah. know and um, you know, it's just like it's it is timing. Tony Brown, yeah. none of those guys liked it. 
You, you know, gotta wonder if the people in charge really need to be in charge. You know, I wonder sometimes well, I, if those people well, I that, sure wonder say, that well, it's not quite this or it's not quite that. You know, and and then you, you prove them wrong. You know, every time. Well, I think you know when I think you know maybe there's you know it's like you, a lot of the guys are accountants pretty much you know or whatever yes, yeah. you know and I, and I did love that about Joe um, and and Tim Dubois too who signed me too and and I mean Tim just said look man you know how to write a song. You obviously know what you're doing. Just yeah. write, just cut your record and bring it back. And I was like, what? And I mean, nobody, even when I talked to Kenny and some and, and some of these guys were like, you know, um, Joe was different, you know, but but I, they, they had different styles. Mm-hmm. And um, But the one thing about, you know, Joe I really loved was he really, he really loved his artists, man. Yeah. And he, Joe Galante? Yes, yeah, Joe right. Galante. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, so, I, so when Tim, I was now, really for those worried. that don't know, sorry, for yeah, those sorry. that don't know, Joe Galante was I don't know if he's what he's doing now, but he was was the head of RCA at the time. Yeah, and that's who signed us. Thirty years, right? That's who signed, signed us with, with BNA? Yeah, right. And uh, but uh, but then but I was on Arista, which was a different label. Then Arista folded into BNA mm-hmm. and RCA, and it was and so it became these three. It, became, it was yeah. a three headed monster, man, and it, it was, was massive. Yeah. And uh, I talked to Baldrica too the other day. Tom Rodrigo was a uh, was a uh, record promoter with BNA Records. Yeah, that was a huge, huge. They got us started. I yeah, mean, it was we met him oh back before God, we even man. had our record deal, and he said, "You know, I'm going to be your promoter." And we we're still friends to this day. The band is still friends with Tom Baldrico. And great, and great uh, guy. And Bobby Craig, who was Aristus guy. So it was him, and then Mike Wilson, I guess, was RCA. You know, and so I mean, Joe, I tell you what, man. Um, Nobody, I think, nobody could have done what he did. I right. think only That's Joe Colante could have, could have managed that. Um, but it was so big <laughs> at that time, you know, it was so, um, it was hard, you know, because you had, you're literally battling out with your label mates. Right. And yeah. it was fun, right. you know, but um, um, because it was, it was you and Kenny Chesney and, and Sarah Edmonds and me and Paisley and Alan Jackson and Diamond Rio and, I mean, all this stuff. Because when Arista yeah. closed and folded in, I didn't know if I had a record deal anymore. Right, yeah. It was a crazy time. I mean, that was when the economy kind of took a dive back was, in the 07 or 06 well, my, or I was, I was in 99 is when it happened for me, is when uh, I came out. So 2000 and two, was when Clive sold our BMG. Clive sold right. his mm-hmm. heiress instead of BMG. Right. So, and when I met Tim and Clive and Davis and all these guys, that was, Aristotle yeah. was like a little boutique label. And, uh, but I loved it because I, I, Alan Jackson was, mm-hmm. I mean, who's yeah. still to this day one of my favorite singer-songwriters. And, um, and Radney Foster, who I love, right? You know, so we had these great, you know, Leroy Parnell. And, um, a lot of people that wrote their own songs yeah, like I mean, you. That, and it was they, really a cool. They didn't just take outside songs and cut them. And yeah, make them yeah, it was different, they too. They had the tractors. Remember the tractors? Yeah, it was, them, yeah. it right. was so bizarre. It was like the coolest boutique, crazy label, you know, and. And um, so I really loved it. So I was really a little worried once I got my deal. And then Carlene came out, and then the label closed. Wow. So it was out. Carlene had gotten to, like, number 39 or 40 or 41 or And then there, there goes their promotions department, so the, basically. So we, we literally, so Arista closed, and there was, like, seven people working for Arista. Wow. I had no sales staff, no nothing. It was unbelievable. So it was a scary time. And uh, I'm like, I didn't even know if I had a deal anymore, right? So, yeah. so I literally was came coming coming over to the label and at the new and BMG building over there. Uh, at the time, it was new. Yeah. And then um, I, I got in the elevator, and then Joe Galante gets on the elevator with me, and I knew who Joe was, of course, but I didn't know him. 
And, he, and, and I said, hey. And he goes, and hey, I'm Joe Galante. And I'm like, well, of course I know who you are. <laughs> of course you are. I'm your new label head. <laughs> I, said, I said, he goes, uh, he goes, Phil, I love Carlene. I love your record. I, w- I went, so I still have a record deal? He goes, damn right you do. I was like, whoa! <laughs> so it was like it was like this weird moment. And um, I, I really love, to this day, I love Joe Galante. And I love him. And, and um, I can't, I mean, I can't thank him enough. I mean, I, th- I just think... He's the guy who won't run in my company. Yeah. I right, mean, if exactly. he, if you're, if, because I, I think it was cool what Tim did with at Arista and then RCA, it was all separate. But no, yeah. I don't know if anybody could have run it like Joe did. Yeah. Joe. He was, he's definitely a prince. I oh, mean, my of, God. He's he could run for president and I would vote for him. You mm-hmm. know, he's that kind of guy. You know, oh, I would too. Business when it needs to be business, but he's so kind and such a, a great guy. I know. You know to be I, I know. I, I miss him. I, and Fran, I miss and, and um, his wife who passed his, uh, a couple years ago. And um, just, I, I just really, uh, I'm lucky. Yeah. I really gotten to work with some of the greatest people. Yeah. I'm lucky. Now, w- when you first got your deal, from what I remember, we were a part. We were in the middle of all that because you had pitched a song to us called "Another Day in Paradise," yeah, that's right. and yeah. we listened to it. We loved it. We were we were playing it at Soundcheck. Yes. We had worked it up right. already before we ever had a chance to go in and cut it. Yeah, and uh, we loved it. We were just so excited about it. And then someone came up to us and said, and "We got ready to cut it. We were in the studio, and they said, oh, wait, hold on. This just in. We can't cut that song because the writer Phil Vassar.'" is going to use it for himself. He's going to get a record deal. deal. <laughs> no, I remember. And he wants to use it for himself. We're like, what? We're like, no, we're doing it anyway. We fought and we tried to keep it, but they were just like, no, he's going to put it out. He says he can't cut it. And plus that record, <laughs> you sold about a billion copies too. That would have been a huge hit for y'all. I know it would have been. And, so you would have fared the, good either way, right? I mean, right? it would have <laughs> been fine, but I mean, I'm glad I cut it, but it was, uh, but Tim, but, I, but for me, Look, man, I, I w- Tim was my label head at that point. This was a funny story because I went in and and it was I was at that point as a writer where everybody was cutting all my songs. You name it. I mean, it was, I, any song I wrote, it was on hold before I even finished it. And you know, so which is a great place as a writer. But but I and so I got a record deal, and Tim was like, "Well, you know, your record won't be out for a year, year and a half, so you don't have to worry." I was like, "That's fine. I'm getting all these cuts, yeah. man. I'm having a blast." Yeah. So so anyway, then Tim calls me. Uh, and he would, I'd cut some stuff with Byron, um, Gallimore, who I talked to a couple of days ago, actually. And he, he, we'd cut for a little while. Um, what do we cut? I'd cut a couple of things. I'd cut Carlene. I'd cut a couple of things and, um, and they played it for the radio guys, like two or three of my songs. This is guy I got, we got coming out in about a year, year and a half down the line. So for those that don't know, record labels, they they sort of test the waters with songs because they really want to know that radio is going to play right, it. Right, right, right. So instead of just blindly putting, here's the album and here's the single we're going to put out, right. they do little test things. They go into the radio stations and they say, hey we've got these songs and we just want your opinion on yeah them. right and it's kind of a way of getting the radio station to give their check mark on exactly. it like, yes Excited we will play about it. it yes we'll play you that know, right that's what they're hoping for anyway. it was and and you know going through that was of course so he said well you know you because we had Sri Austin we had there was like three or four or five six other guys in front of me at Arista it's like in the pipeline they call it yeah right and then so you're man you you won't be out for another year and a half so you know just keep but you're doing in the your, pipeline but you're in the pipeline and your son you're tr- you got a record deal I'm like okay well that's fine but, but you know I've got Tim McGraw cutting all my this or whoever yeah. Kenny Chesney and so it was um it was this interesting. was early 2000s right? it was late 90s late, late 90s, 90s. Like 99 okay. 2000 right I got you, yeah. so he 
so we, I got a call um, from Tim. He called. He said, "Man, can you come into the label?" I'm like, "Yeah," because I had my own bar at that time, as you know. I had my own bar. Oh, right, I was playing, that's right. I was playing. Um, you had your own gig. I had my own, own gig, man. And, <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, Mandel and all those guys were in, in the band, and we Chuck and I mean, we had a, we had a hell of a band. Wow. It was so much fun, and um, John Howard and Steve Hornby. So we were we were playing in my bar. And and um, and Mike Sistad and all the guys from the label would come over, uh, and uh, so I didn't have to do a showcase. Maybe back right. then you did a showcase, right? And they were you like, booked a bar, you, you booked a club or right. somewhere, a showroom. You put together a big show. You invited all the people. They out gave them the free meeting. drinks yeah, for five thousand dollars. <laughs> all the labels would come out, and you would make a sort of a party out of it, and say, "By the way, this is our music. This is what right. we sound like." It was interesting times, so I so I did that, and, and they were like, "Well, you need to do a showcase." So I'm like, "No, I don't." Every night is a showcase. I said, "I can come to my bar, and I might save you a seat if you want to come, because it was so packed out every night, that's and the funny. line to get around. We had such a good time, and and um, so we, you know, that's what we did. We did we did that, and then um, and then all of a sudden, uh, I mean, you know, I got this freaking record deal, and <clears throat> so, but I'm still having all these cuts and all that stuff. And Tim calls, he goes, "Man." We've decided to go ahead and move your record up, your release up, because radio's really loving Carlene. They love your song, Paradise. And and I said, well, all right, well, when are we moving? He goes, well, you're getting released in three weeks. I went, three <laughs> weeks? I mean, I just, it was Keats. I just shaved my head. Oh, I wow. just buzzed. My, I mean, it was like I was just enjoying the life as a songwriter. But for the first time in my life, I had, you know, made a little money, and I yeah, was having right. some fun. And I buzzed my head. I was going to the beach. I just had a, one, I had a baby, one-year-old kid. And wow. um, and it was the coolest time, and and I'm like, so like we need to get you into a photo shoot. I mean, I look at my first, my my first album, and I, I mean, it was I didn't know who I was. I didn't. Know, I mean, it was, yeah. it was such a. I do remember you bought our bus. We had a bus. I did. I sure did. <laughs> we called it Barney, the Barney bus, because it was purple. It was purple. We had a purple the, bus. The purple vein, we called yeah. it. Um, yeah. And it was great. So we so we did that, and then. And then, um, and then I, so they put Carlene out and, and it was a, and it was, it just kept inching up the charts and people started playing it and it was a big hit. It came out and then, um, you had to hit the road with a band. I know. I mean, so then, so what I did was I went out, but I was solo, just me and a piano. So Tim and Faith took me out on soul to soul tour. So I was just me in arenas with a piano keyboard sitting there in the middle of a, I mean, it was. It was, so I went from playing literally my own bar to, to playing 25,000 seats. And, and then Kenny took me out, Chesney, and I was out with Kenny for two years. Now, with Kenny, did you do the solo piano thing, or did I, you have a band? I did at first. Yeah. You know, I did the solo. Kenny And Kenny, you know, of course, you know, Kenny and I were friends for a long time. And then so he would, he would, um, he'd be on the mic. I'd be out there playing stuff like that. He would always mess with me. He'd put freaking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> porn on my piano oh or some kind gosh. of just or he'd call and say hey man look at that girl in the front row she's pretty ancient. or you know it was just funny and and we had so much fun out together and then of course kenny just boom exploded and, yeah, yeah it, it went from we were playing 2500 seat theaters and um to to tractor sexy we're playing twenty five thousand seats oh, yeah, right. overnight and within have you ever heard kenny months. chesney do carl childers from sling blade dude yeah like gotta get them married uh, uh, fried potatoes yeah he, he does him too it's a unbelievable it's man like uncanny he, he really is because he's got that name he, he, I, I tell you, but we we you know what i look back at some of the that was some of my favorite times ever i had so much fun and uh and you know i learned a lot from kenny too because he he um you know what? He was all about the show. Yeah, of course. All about yeah. the show, and and he, you know, he would do everything he could do, um, 
he learned from Garth Brooks. He did. Way, and Kenny, and, uh, and Tim. Tim McGraw yep. to go out in the cheap seats, go up in the cheap seats and look, watch a show and look at the stage and look at the people and study it from a what should I be doing? What, right. What's entertaining? What do I want to yeah. see? What do these people want to see? And then that sort of informed what he would do on stage. Oh, it was it was bigger it, than you know. life, you yeah, know. And right. and um, I, I think that's what you know. I, I I always loved that. And 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 he always picked good songs. Yeah, Kenny was a song guy, man. Yeah, he, right. you know, I always thought it was was uh, BNA like RCA that right that the, the song the you know the A and R department right. would say, hey, we've got these songs for you, and he right. would just pick the best. Yeah. But he, he was, you know, Kenny was a writer too. And, you know, of course we wrote a lot of songs together, but it was, uh, he, he, um, and Tim too, he had with my, Byron and Missy. And, and, and I think it was so important to have, um, you know, you can't write all your songs anyway. I, I, I did because I'd had this catalog of songs for years. Right. And then, but, but, you know, I still, if I would hear a great song, one of my, you know, when you're friends with Craig Wiseman and Jeffrey Steele or, or whoever, you know, you're with these amazing songwriters, you just, you know, sometimes you'll hear a song that you record that it's like, I could have never written that, you know? Yeah, right. Like, man, and I would have people pitch me, I had a song, man, it sounds like a Phil Vassar song. I'm like, well, I can write Phil Vassar songs all day long, <laughs> right? I write them all day. I, I want to write a song that sounds like it, I didn't yeah. write it, you know? And, so does that come easy for you, the, the, the writing of a Phil Vassar song? So <laughs> what would a typical day like be that, uh, you know, you, you're gonna, you decided, okay, I'm going to write today. You know, you're by yourself. It's not an appointment right. where you say, you call somebody and say, let's get together and write from 11 to 3. It's a day. Do you pick a time and you sit down and it's this is work time and you. You know what I mean. I don't anymore. I, I and I used to more. Um, like when you had that string of hits, what was your sort of process like? Well, I mean, I was, you know, you. It's so different, you know, because you know as well as I do. Once you cut that, that first record, and and, and the adage is so true. It's like you have your whole life to write your first record, and you have like a month to write your second record. And it, and, it, and I can true. definitely tell the difference wow. because I mean I think. Of course, I'd written some of that stuff for the second album, but I wasn't crazy about it. It's yeah. like, I don't remember, uh, I just remember I, was, I did 250 shows or something that one year, you know, you come out and you're doing all this stuff and, and I didn't even get a, I didn't ever, I never did a radio tour. Right. Because. You didn't have to. I didn't, yeah. because at the time, my record came out so fast and. You know that I, you know, usually you set up, and what the radio tour is, is you get in an airplane or you get in a bus and you fly from station to station to station to station to station, and you do all the stuff, playing your stuff. It's kind of the, it's a, it's a freaking, you know, dog and pony show yeah, is what it, it is. Totally is. And and you know, and and it works or it doesn't work. And and a lot of the radio guys, they don't know, you don't know who you are or what you are. Um, and um, I mean, I remember when you guys got your deal, and I remember when No News and all. I remember all that mm -hmm. stuff. I, I remember that blowing up. I remember being in the middle of that, you know, and or, or being around, going, "Holy shit! I love this record, <laughs> man! I love it." When that stuff came out, I was like, "Who in the hell?" And and of course, you know, no one, all you guys and Dean, of course, was at EMI, and, um, you know, back in the day, and I saw Richie, and I knew everybody, and. And, um, but I remember, you know, of course it was exciting for me to see all this going down because, you know, you're, I was connected to, yeah. to it in from a way, a writing in, standpoint, right sort of from a way, that, you know, yeah. Dean and I would write or, or whoever, you know, you sort of, you're in a, um, uh, but it was exciting. You like, we're talking about sons of the desert, you know, mm -hmm. when they came out too, uh, they cut one of my songs drive away 
on my first record on their first yeah. record and I was just like man it was great and I loved it so it was kind of beginning of my cuts yeah and um, now did you have a song a picture when you were doing all that or was it just from whatever publishing company you were with well I was at EMI at that point so they had song pictures that Greg Hill your stuff in who Hollywood. became my manager eventually he was um, my plugger which was what they called it. he's plugs your songs and um, you know and, and then of course you know I was at, at Arista so Alan Jackson um I remember we'd just written a song, Round the Money, and I just had a piano vocal of it. And um, and anyway, it, back in those days, seriously, in the 90s and the, and the 2000s, you could be cut, somebody could be cutting a record, and you could run it in there to them. Yeah, They're like, right. we've already got a record. I was like, I don't care, I'm going to come. Uh, this right. just in, yeah. yeah this we've had just, songs like that before. Right, right. exactly, yeah. you know. And um, so I think, um, you know, for, that Alan was cutting and ran in and we played um, right on the money for him and 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 uh, you know he it was uh, he of course was huge at the, already you know so I was like well you know it's one in a million shot but and he was like like it that sounds that almost it. like the fantasy of what people think it's like you right know, like we just run in there and just do this song real quick I just wrote it but it actually that can happen it can <laughs> well it used to it, yeah. it really used to happen I think I don't know if it does anymore because now every, there's like armed guards at the desk uh, right, at yeah. Warner Brothers or whoever. We're not letting songwriters in the building <laughs> yeah, today. Okay? You, hey, off. man, e- email me. I'm like, if I, I've, I've never emailed a song to anybody ever really? in my life. I That's never good, will. yeah. And I mean, it's just, you know, it's like there's no, um, I don't know, there's just really no there's access. no right way or wrong way. Yeah, to I mean. A good I, song is a good song, I think, you know. I, I think if you're lucky, you can, you know. And I remember, you know, it was a lot easier just to get, um, you know, you knew a pitch list, you know who was cutting or this, who's looking for songs. It's just a different time. I notice a lot of your songs are very feel-good songs. Mm. Is that, do you purposely try to do that? Or is it, because there's not a lot of minor note ba- ballad, <laughs> kind of sad, right. you know, things. Your stuff is really upbeat Yeah, well, in a was, lot of ways. It was always, uh, you know, even my breakup, like Bye Bye, was a was a major key song. It's like it's a, yeah. it's sort of a positive. It's a breakup song, rockin'. but it's a feel good. Right. It's totally like, hey, I'm out of here. You know, I'm gonna go have fun. I know, man. I had men coming up to me because Jody had a hit with it. He goes, man, why did you write that, man? My wife plays me that song all the time. I hate <laughs> it. And I'm like, why? I didn't write it for. I remember Jody <laughs> called me and she said, Phil, I'm really want to cut bye bye. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not a girl song. This is what? a guy song. And I was so wrong, right? Wow. And then of course, you know, Byron and. Um, you know, they, Jody, they, they cut the crap out of it. And I heard it and I was just like, holy, I mean, it was so undeniable, you know, and, um, when I heard it, you know, of course, and she was like, I really want to cut it. I'm all right too. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's my song. Cause it's my story. Right. I was my story. Yeah. Right. So I kind of kept it. And then of course, everybody hated it. Joni Brown, right? everybody that heard that song hated that song. Right. You know, whatever. They just they were like they were like, nobody will cut that. It's got too many words in it. Oh right. Like, yeah. Too many words. I'm like, what does that mean? And, you know, so of course Jody cut it. It was a whatever, a big hit. So Yeah. It, it was um you, you just How'd you come up with the line the rear view mirror torn off? Is that a visual <laughs> thing that you just like did you literally just, do that? <laughs> I, I literally just said I, I don't know, it was it was stuff that it was, you know, um I know it sounds trite, but I've seen the light. I remember seeing that. I said, oh, yeah. it's just so stupid. And that's Rory too goes, rhymey. no, no, that's it. No, we got to keep that in there. I'm like, we do? Um, okay. So, I mean, I, I think for Bye Bye was one of those songs where we probably wrote it in um, 30 minutes. It was just, yeah. you know. I love the chord structure in that song, too. It's the way just, it goes from kind of the way it, just before the chorus, the way it kind of. 
builds and goes into that major. Yeah, it's right. so cool. Well, it's just it's a it's just a. It, it ended up it was a great cut and thank god jody cut it and and um you know what man and and uh you know mike curb was good to me those guys cut a bunch of my stuff you know and tim and and you know all um, you know of course you know jody and so it was a lot of fun back then it was yeah. really really fun where you could just go to lunch with the label head you know it's like oh yeah right i remember going to lunch with mike curb who lives there yeah right? you know down the street so but you know it's a it was an amazing group i mean with tony and those guys over at MCA, what they were doing, and then of course Arista, and then R and Joe, and yeah. I mean Nashville was just crazy back then. You know, yeah. it was you had all these other little labels popping up like Giant or yeah. whatever, and and uh, it was a lot of fun. And now I think it's like what is it one label now or is it yeah. two labels? I don't God, even it's know. Scary. I don't it's even so know. Consolidated. I'm so unplugged from that right now. Yeah. We just go do our shows. We cut our songs. We have our own label right. and everything. And it's all you can do so. anymore. But uh, so when you play out. Um, I was talking to your. I was talking to David Black, your drummer. Yeah, he was my great. very first podcast ever. He's great. He was the very first guy. He's a singing. He was my guinea pig. <laughs> He's so um, good. He was telling me, you know, we were talking a little bit, and I knew this because you, you, you toured with us, <laughs> that you don't have a set list. You just kind of call the songs and all right. that. Is that, is that, um, does that, is that because it takes the pressure off of you, or is it more fun that way, or is it just that you think that was what the audience? I just think likes. every night's different. Yeah, every night's different, and you never know. And I, I just like to play the crowd. It's like, what do we have? I mean, some nights I'll walk out and play black and whites by myself in a theater. You know, I'll start, I'll come out there, with, and then they bring the band in. Or oh, some, I see. You know, yeah. some nights it's like, you know, your crowd is just, you know, you're in a, you're playing a festival yeah. for thirty thousand. So in a people. way, it's kind of like a football play. In yeah. Way. Like you're look, you're reading, reading what's the defense, going on, man. Reading the defense. Reading the defense, and you're going, okay, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna come out by my. You read, right. you figure out what would be good for this situation. We walk out to the stage and um, get, you know, and they're like, what are we playing? What's the first song? <laughs> That's what <laughs> it is, you know. So. It's just we call the first song and then we go from there, man. And it is, it you know what? It, it uh, I saw Springsteen do it, you know, and he he had people requesting. He's and then the band will huddle up and then they do the song. And I think, you know, and it, it speaks to my band. At least they got a huddle up right. with you. It's just like you start playing and they're like, right. "What do we do? What is it?" But I'm just telling you, man. Those guys, <laughs> it's so good. You know, I mean, of course, Jeff and I've been playing together since we were kids. And, now Jeff is your guitar player, and yeah, and your lifelong he's tour been, manager. Been, yeah. But I mean, you've been friends since high school, right? Is well, that right? Well, I mean, since what? we've known each other since I was, we were born, mm -hmm. literally, because my, yeah. my dad and, and Jeff's brother, Neil, who's 17 years older, um, had a band in the 60s together. And I mean, wow. just incredible musicians. And and, uh, and he's and, about your age. And, and, and Jeff, and yeah. And Jeff's you guys are few, best buds. Yeah, I mean, he Jeff was a few years older than me, and he went to a different high school. Um, but I always knew who he was, of course. And then, you know, when I... When Jeff joined my band, you know, back in those days, we, we kind of, I was like, holy did crap. Did you have a cover band in the 80s or something? We like did. That? We had yeah, a, we had a cover band, and we did a lot of everything, <laughs> man, from Duran Duran to Bowie and all the 80s stuff. We played, you know, Fort Lauderdale for a month at a time. and just, Oh, wow. That sounds so fun. It was decadent. The 80s, the good old 80s. Yeah. When people would come out and listen to a band and support a band and yes. pay the cover, whatever, you know. Yeah. And, uh. I don't know if it's the same now. You know, I mean, I think there are some bands that people will follow and, you know, like Zach Brown and those right. kind of bands that are just so good. Right, right. You just got such a good following. Yeah, it is um, cool. So I want to talk about a story that I heard from somebody. I think who it was. Your first time on the Grand Old Opry, you were unknown. Nobody knew you. I think you were just going to play piano and sing, and you got on there. And uh, there was an old timer 
someone like Roy Acuff or someone like that that Porter Wagner, didn't, Porter Wagner that didn't uh, know who you were and that, and that didn't hear very well. <laughs> Who's that <laughs> artist? <laughs> who, he's a, here's a young gentleman that's going to come up here and play the piano for you. Um, he's a fine young gentleman, and here here we ha- here we have. And he goes, and he whispers over to somebody, "What's his name?" And they said Phil Vassar. And what did he say? Sylvester. <laughs> Sylvester. Sylvester. Okay. Sylvester. I've so. been named Paul Vester. I've uh, been <laughs> called uh, 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 Phil Vester. Sylvester. Oh my God. Um, Phil Vaser. That was a pretty good one too. Phil Vaser. They always, you know, at yeah. least Lone Star. Man, you guys have a solid name. It you didn't. Know? It wasn't always like that because we were called Texas C before it was Lone Star. Yeah. And people got that wrong. Texas E. Texas. C, like with a letter C, Texas, Texas C, <laughs> Texas, like uh, they. Well, yeah, they, they bastardized like, the hell out of it. So yeah. the label was like, you got to get a different name. Yeah. Well, Lone Star worked. I mean, it was perfect. I mean, I think you got that, but still people. Unfortunately, you're still Phil Vassar and you Vassar, can't change I that. can't change it. I, I changed it to Garth Brooks, but they got really mad. Oh, they got, we already got one of those. Hey, wait a minute. Hold on a second. <laughs> Started getting his checks. It was great. Uh, no, but it was, um, it was. It was definitely a different time. I mean, that was my first Opry experience. And, and I remember Toby Keith coming up to me because, Bill, did they really, did that really happen? They I really said, well, Sylvester. I've been called, so everybody calls me <laughs> Sylvester. Uh, everybody knows that story, right? Everybody, Brent yeah. Mason yeah. and I were, and, and uh, my buddy Paul Hollowell. And um, it's, it's not the first time that it happened. I, I was actually coming to town and I joined, a, was going to join a, a health club in the sky goes, was introducing me to the aerobics instructor. He goes, Tony, come here. I want you to meet somebody. What's your name? I said, Phil Vester. He goes, Sylvester, meet Tony. Tony is a great, <laughs> Tony is a great, you're going to love him. So wow. it was, that was, I'm just telling you, it's, it's not so the first time. how Phil Vassar sounds so much like Sylvester. Sylvester. I, I didn't know it did until, <laughs> until I got called Sylvester a bunch of times. Wow, that's awesome. So how did um, things go with the whole COVID thing? Did Were you still able to, well, you're a songwriter. Of course, right. you've got income and stuff, but. What, how did you navigate that with your band and your... You know what, man? It was it was definitely hard. I hated it. I hated yeah. it, and I hope we never, ever have to go through that bullshit again. Because yeah. I'm just telling you, I think we know now that that whole shutdown thing doesn't work. None of it worked. You know, well, of course, we were up against something we didn't know anything about, so I'm not going to hold hold it against anybody but if they try to do it again i'll definitely hold it against it them. was a scary time for us performers because we we were how we make a living right yeah we were literally thinking like uh are we gonna be able to have shows ever again because everything was shut down everything yeah. all the you couldn't get a crowd together well it's just dumb it's just yeah. dumb and, and if they you know like i said it's just dumb we know now that it's just dumb so anyway yeah. we we, you know, we tr- we did some of the streaming stuff, but man, I'm not going to look into a phone or a camera, and I can't get the energy from the crowd. I mean, that's what we it's, live yeah. for. It's our job, right. and and you know what? We need it. The people need it, and um, you know what, man? I'm sick of masks. I'm sick of all that stuff. I want to see your people's faces, and um, yeah. you know, I want to I want to have some fun. So we're out there doing that now. You're pretty busy now, right? Aren't you? Yeah, we are. I mean, we we're having four to five shows this week, and um, you know, May is. You know, always kind of a launch month, you know. Yeah. Then we then we sort of, then by June, July, August, September, you know, all the way through Christmas as we we work. So, I'm excited to do that again. And you know, I would love for us to do another tour with you, Lone Star and Phil Vassar, Sylvester, Sylvester um, tonight, Sylvester. At 8 <laughs> putting o'clock. our bands together and doing not just a Christmas tour, but a full. We I know, talked about full this. blown, like a, man. Just to we'll play our hits and do a. 
cover songs and whatever we do together. You yeah. Know, we got to have some kind of version of Carol of the Bells. Not Carol of the Bells, but another another big... Anagata de Vida. <laughs> yeah, where we put the band together. I thought of a good one that would be fun is uh, an instrumental that right. would be would involve all the bands and everything is um, Jessica from... The, um, Almond, oh, Almond, the Almond Brothers. Brothers. Oh my God, yeah. And that because you got the twin guitars oh, and the piano solo and all that. And Michael's stuff. such a great guitar player too, yeah. man. And Jeff loves Michael. And wouldn't that be a good one? That'd be a good one. Those guys for were the crowd. ridiculous on stage together, man. It yeah. was just such a great. It was such a great band, and and um, you know having Patty was the only girl out there. Was I know. our sax player. We she's, all love Patty. She's, she's so a, amazing. She's a doll, man. Patty is um, Patty Constantino is Phil Vassar's saxophone player she plays flute she plays piano she's but basically yeah. her main thing is the saxophone she's the real musician in the band she's the real <laughs> musician in the band and she is so amazing she's so hard working oh, no. so serious about everything and i know um, poor thing she doesn't know what to think with all those crazy all boys. those crazy guys you know it's like a lot of she's but, she, um, she adds the she's our estrogen uh, infusion but she's really great yeah, and beautiful she's awesome. and she's still with great. you and all that stuff absolutely doing the shows. yeah i know awesome. i'm excited to see her i guess uh, we we you know we kind of went through you know of course now we're starting to get our gear together and and um you know we just um yeah i came by and saw you guys in rehearsal i was i was going by to say hey to david yeah. your drummer and you guys were just striking up a rehearsal just after covid and all that and i and literally you guys were saying i have we haven't touched this gear since I know. we were with you guys i know our last christmas tour was just before COVID hit. It was the end. And so, it was yeah. right before the Christmas tour, and then I did my acoustic tour, which is me and Jeff, which is, yeah. we started in Richmond, and we do 24 cities all the way to L.A., right? So we did that. It was like four and six weeks is what yeah. we did. And so would he play electric or acoustic? or Acoustic, and then Acoustic we, we, and we would, the piano. That's and it. And yeah. that was it. So we did, we did that, and then we had one band gig in March, and then that was the last, that was it. Wow. And, and it was like everything happened, and... You know what, man? So I was just, it, it was yeah, a dark. It started shutting down Dark fast. days, I man. I mean, it was like, this is now, that's down. Now this this gig is canceled. And I watched literally our schedule. I watched things on our schedule almost gone, minute gone, by minute gone. go canceled, 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 canceled. Um, re, uh, rebooked yeah, rebooked or, or, and then canceled again. Know, rebooked postponed again. for later. So we're still, to this day, we're still making up shows that we lost in, during COVID, which well, it's I'll good you, that we're still doing them, but thank yeah. God we're doing them. But it's uh, it, like I said, it was a, it was a dark, dark time, and yeah. I never want to ever go through it again. <laughs> yeah, as performers, that was that was a dark time I know. because I'm we didn't somebody have much out. Bit, you know, like the computer, and that was it. Um, we actually did a little a version of Amazed via computer. Like I did my what well, was edited together. Yeah. But it was me playing the drums, and then uh, Dean would put the piano in, and then Richie sang it. I saw that; it was really good. Yeah, it was, it was pretty really fun. cool, man. That was that was my idea because I was like, hey, I can lay the drums down, and if anybody else feels like chiming in, you can, and that just kind of grew right. into the whole thing. And finally, but that that's a weird way to do it—no crowd response and nothing. It's, it's horrible. It's yeah. just not ever. It's not. It's not. It's not any fun. Yeah. You know, it's good for you know. I'm glad that everybody got to you know. We I did this piano bar series, which was really a lot of fun. I did. Um, which I'm doing now, a piano bar album, which is going to be kind of fun. That, wow, that's so cool. it's going to be kind of cool. But I did it all covers, written songs, like or, all oh, covers, covers and yeah. stuff, and then some, maybe some of my new songs, which is. Uh, but I would do Jackson Brown and Billy Joel and Elton John and Super Tramp and all this oh, stuff. Oh, that's great! And we would do 10, 10 to twelve songs, and I mean, I so I literally had had to go back. I mean, I did Warren Zevon, I did Werewolves of London, I did all this kind of crazy stuff that I would do in my bar, and uh, when I had my piano bar, so. Yeah, right. 
So anyway, so we're probably going to do. I'm pro- I'm going to do a piano bar at some point in t- here in town, or, or at the, in the Caribbean, wherever I want to do it. So, so which way you know I'd play or not? Tell play. me where and when, and I'll be there. I know, man. It's going to have. <laughs> I'm going to have a drum. I'm actually building my barn right now. To further that, I'm going to have the the honorary Keach set sitting uh, there waiting. Keach drum kit ready. That's to go right, now. ready to go. I've, right. I've, I've been I've been holding your stuff hostage for three years I since know, the video. I left. Okay, so we did your. You had a whole series of. Um, basement in your basement well your wine cellar you have a wine cellar here and um you had a whole series of from the wine cellar kind of thing where there's like acoustic performances of people you would invite over and they would play an acoustic set in your wine cellar which is kind of small but it but big enough to put a small band in and we did that and i I left my stick bag here and that was back couple of years ago and, and you're just now giving me my you go hey is this yours like, oh my stick bag it's been sitting in my closet for years totally forgot about to that. Back to you. i totally i honestly i totally forgot that about that i knew i used to have it but i thought one of the guys left it at one of the gigs or something but, uh, that it was it was stolen or sold or something like that but um that was a really fun thing because that was um in the in your wine cellar and we set up and it had cameras and everything all in there you had a whole crew here and everything and it was uh, what was it called now it was called songs from the cellar songs and, from the cellar and we did right. 30 episodes when yeah. 30 you know we did um peter frampton and you guys oh and man that's cool sticks and um you know of course john rich and brothers osborne old dominion i mean we the list goes on and on Kelly. it's almost like a daryl uh daryl hall daryl's uh, house daryl's house thing yeah mm-hmm. right, right which i love um, Isn't that cool? And, and John Oates was going to do the show. He kept yeah. coming over, and and uh, and he had uh, something. He had a gallbladder thing, and I was like, "Damn, John, you'll do anything to get out of doing the show." <laughs> I mean, but it was really great. I, I really am. I mean, we had, of course, Vince did it. Are you going to do it again anymore? You know, I'm going to do a different variation on that than show. The barn. It's going to be something. Yeah, the barn. it's going to be different <laughs> and a little bit bigger. But it's. Uh, but yeah, we're, so we're working on that. Um, I actually had a meeting about it today, this morning at eight. So, I mean, we're just kind of, uh, I really enjoyed what I did. I mean, Mike Tyson did my show. I had Carrot Top and Dennis Quaid and every, every, it was a really, really fun thing. Cool. And, um, but I, I, uh, I really enjoyed the music and the writers. And of course, Steve, Jeffrey Steele did it and quite Craig Wiseman, some of the, uh, Tony Arada and, uh, some of the greatest writers and singers and, um, but I love having comedians too. I'm gonna, this new one's gonna have all that. So I'm that's excited. awesome. Well, we're gonna go and take a tour of your barn here in a minute. And Let's check, go. Check out the new tour. Well, thank the you so digs. much for talking to me, and uh, we will look for you out on the road, Phil Vassar and his band. Go. And uh, we're gonna be. Uh, Thanks for having me too, Keach. It's good to see you, man. It always man. great. I just. Uh, I've been wanting to get you on my podcast since the very beginning, and we talked about it a little yeah. bit, but, you know, with the whole COVID thing, and we then we got busy, stuff like that. I'm here in your house, and we're doing it. So. We did it. It's done. Let's it. do it again. All right. And next well, week, we'll do the next one. Next Part week. Part two. That's right. We'll see you guys. See you, y'all.